Thirsty? You've come to the right place to wet your whistle. It's the Liquid Lifestyle with Ryan McGarrian, a full hour of liquid refreshment. Now, here's Ryan. What's cracking, my thirsty listener? It's another Saturday afternoon here in the Rose City, and it's my sincere hope that my voice is reaching you with either a tasty beverage in your hands or... Uh, or hand, or an evening ahead of you that might include one. And once again, you're riding the earth with, with us here at the Liquid Lifestyle, here at the Radio Northwest Network. And I, of course, am your host and on-air bartender, Ryan McGarrian. And if you're joining us for the first time, our broadcast is dedicated to all things liquid and delicious, with a particular emphasis on such potent potables as spirits, cocktails, beer, wine, along with the occasional foray into such necessities as coffee and tea, all from either here in the Rose City or far beyond. We, we're, we're excited to go anywhere to uh, expand your horizons with regards to yummy beverages. Uh, and today we once again find ourselves across the Willamette Ocean, as I like to call it, here in southeast Portland. We are on site at P-Town's hottest new bar slash, well, I'm going to call it Beer Nirvana. This place is unfreaking believable We're at the Loyal Legion. And we're going to spend the next hour learning all about this new crazy beer experience. And we're also going to talk some Oregon beer uh, with their fearless leader and beer czar, Herb Apon. Herb, how the heavens are you today? I'm doing great, man. Dude, stoked to be here. And uh, just to get us started, I love the term beer czar. I don't think I've ever seen that. That's got to feel powerful, man. And uh, I'd love to just hear about your industry journey and how the heck you ended up becoming said beer czar. First of our beer czar was not my choice. It just kind of someone threw it out there. I'm pretty sure it's my boss. And unfortunately, it's kind of stuck. So it's a lot of uh, pressure to uh, to live up to that. I don't don't feel myself to be like the, the king of beer or anything. I'm just lucky to be in this industry, to be honest. But uh, born and raised Portland, Oregon. I've uh, been here my whole life. I mean, I started drinking beer here. Uh, my first craft beer really uh, came out. Craft beer hit the scene kind of right during my, uh, you know, the younger years when you first start drinking into high school and such. And so, uh, to be honest, Widmere uh, Hef was like my first craft beer. But uh, from there, I, uh, I've been kind of in the bar scene my whole life, uh, you know, from back of house to front of house. And uh, where, uh, where have you worked in town and how long have you been working uh, here in the industry in Portland? Uh, right before this, uh, I basically, I was at Uptown Market, and uh, it's a great little spot on the west side. They, um, we started with, you know, no idea what we were doing, uh, built basically a bottle shop, a uh, thousand bottles, and became a brewery, 30 taps on, and I was lucky enough to be a part of it from the start, and, and really built it into, now it's two locations. Uh, this job opened up, and uh, I just couldn't say no to it. Dude, I can't blame you, man. I've already been in here a few times, and uh, yeah, I, if there was a gig that I'd like to have someday, it'd be managing this this boatload of delicious beer. So, you know, why don't we jump? I'd love to. I mean, you got to tell us about the Loyal Legion. You know, this is a part of the. Uh, this is uh, really Kurt Huffman's dream child, his baby, so to speak. He uh, is the man behind Chef's Table here in town. But can you walk us through the concept, how 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 it came about, and uh, you know, maybe how the first week's been. 
Uh, well, I think really Kurt always had an idea. Like uh, he's always loved beer. I mean, when he left and he was in Europe, I mean, he ran a brewery, he started a brewery, uh, and since he's been back, you know, he's had his interests in other things, mostly restaurants. Uh, but like, I'm I'm sure this was always on his mind, and I think he always knew that he wanted to do something uh, to for Oregon or Oregon based and around beer. And so I think it just kind of popped in, and it was it was natural to do. Uh, a tap house or a, a beer house that was all Oregon and I think he just said 99 because it sounded cool and it stuck and so here we are with 99 beers on the wall. 99 beers on the wall here at the Loyal Legion once again we are chatting with Herb Apon at the Loyal Legion and uh, so how did uh, what did it look like you know I've opened a few restaurants myself here in town and uh, I know it can be quite a challenge. I know they were racing to get this thing open. Uh, talk, talk to us about what it takes and what, what does it look like to open a bar like this? Chaos. <laughs> sure. Crazy chaos. Uh, you know, we worked it out real quick and, uh, you know, there's still, we're new and, uh, you know, we're working out the system, but like, uh, you know, simplicity is, is always the best, uh, you know, best, uh, policy so uh really it's it it is what it is we got them broken up the taps broken up into uh you know different styles and uh it's it's actually working a lot better than i uh, than i thought it would for sure that's great to hear man so you said the menu's broken up into different styles i'm i'm a i'm a real fan of quality menu engineering uh so tell me a little bit about how you have decided to organize the information on your menus to to help your guests best make their decision on a nightly basis uh, as we move forward, we're absolutely, like I said, it's it's broken up into uh, styles. Like I'm always going to have, obviously, it's the Northwest, so you're going to see a lot of IPAs on there, at least 20. Uh, but then uh, really um, moving forward, it'll be broken up by style, then also some region. Um, you know, so people will be able to search, like if they, you know, heard of a great beer on the, uh, the coast, uh, I'll have regional, uh, everything broken up, as I said, by region. Um brewery uh, so you basically have several different ways to to look up the beer right now with the paper menu which we'll always have uh it's it's really just style so uh you know my ipas are or my where you start you move on basically from there light to dark so lagers all the way down to um, some nice thick stouts so without going back into the office and pulling up a spreadsheet and uh telling us what your top selling beers are what the heck off the top of your head are the top selling beers in your first week here at uh, at Loyal Legion? Uh, Barley Browns is always big. Uh, the three B's, to be honest, are, are going to be a staple here. I, you know, uh, there's Boneyard, there's Barley Browns, and there's Breakside. They're all great breweries. They make a lot of beer. Um, you know, I have a lot of selection there. I'm going to rotate through those a lot. But funny enough, our Super Colds people, uh, there's a lot of controversy about the Super Colds, but, man, people are loving them. Like my Atlas Blackberry Cider served at 31 degrees on a hot day. You, you can't beat it. Dude, I crushed one of those ciders late uh, one night this weekend. And, uh, you know, I, ciders have not yet, you know, found their way into the heart of my palate. But that thing, man, it was just like... It was dry. It tasted like fresh blackberry. It was just like just before ripeness, getting a blackberry off the vine on a trail somewhere, man. That thing is, is great. And you also, you know what? I was uh, I was here with uh, with someone, and we uh, we had a lime 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 habanero situation. Uh, what the heck was that all about? So High Wheel, uh, they're doing uh, basically a gluten free choice. Uh, you know, not not ciders, but they're uh, fermenting basically citruses, and they're coming out with some fun stuff. Uh, they want to call it a zazzle. I'm going to plug that right now see if we can change the name from citrus wine to zazzle but uh that's on my super cold as well and it's a lime habanero 
uh, basically citrus wine, and uh, it is so delicious. And if you throw a shot of tequila in that, everyone's happy. Dude, Sazzle. Man, if you ever get a pet ferret, that's such a great name for that ferret, man. I don't know why. You know, I hear names like uh, all the time, and I always try to attribute them to something. But uh, So you've also so you got your 99 taps. Uh, tell me a little bit more about this super cold thing. I, I noticed it on the menu. you got the little SC. Dude, super cold, man. What's that all about? Uh, so, Kurt, again, uh, you know, you spend a lot of time in Europe, and uh, it's it's pr- uh, common practice over there to basically have some of your lines, if not all, depending on the bar, uh, run at a really cold temperature. So we, we run basically those lines. We have 12 right now, and we're talking about having more for the summer. You can put them on or take them off. Uh, but, like, they start at... Uh, 29 degrees basically once you run them through the secondary glycol and so by the time they hit my tap they're right at about 30 31 degrees okay and uh, there's a term you hear a lot when it comes to beer bars and it's glycol and I hear people throw around a lot I know it is what it is as a bar owner but can you explain what a glycol system is for folks sure it's just a cooling system I mean glycol is it's a food grade liquid that doesn't freeze we use it in our uh, in the lines uh, to keep things cold in the old days basically you were lucky if your lines were were basically force air cooled and that was just really taking the air from the cooler and blowing it along with the lines through to keep them cold when they got to the top. As we get smarter uh, and more intelligent about our beer, we realize that you know uh, temperature fluctuation messes with our beer. So uh, the glycols is a sure-fired way to, to make sure that the beer from the cooler to the tap stays cool. When you're done and you walk out the door but you still want an alcoholic beverage, what you going to go drink and where are you going to go? Um, it's funny, I'm a, I'm a lager guy, to be honest. Uh, loggers and pilsners, man. So uh, Arch Rock uh, uh, from uh, Gold Beach Brewing is phenomenal, and that's my go-to. Arch Rock, folks. You heard it from the man, Herb, upon the beer czar here at Loyal Legion. We're going to jump out real quick, and when we come back, we're going to talk more about Loyal Legion and about beer in general. And welcome back to us here at the Radio Northwest Network where you're listening to the Liquid Lifestyle. Once again, we are across the Willamette Ocean in southeast Portland at Loyal Legion, a brand new super sick beer bar. We're talking to the beers are Herb Upon. And, uh, you know, in the last segment, we were all over just learning about the concept, hearing about your journey from drinker casual imbiber to beer czar or beer leader of the beer people here at loyal legion uh what else you got going on here man this is a huge bar i know you got more than beer uh and what's the width of your bar program i mean maybe uh tell us a little bit about your whiskey your cocktails and the wine being poured here sure we don't want to limit things i mean first and foremost we are a beer hall and we're proud of that but we realize some people you know are not in the mood for a beer i mean there's times where i'd love to have a mixed drink so uh we're we're pretty much super simple on everything else i mean it's pour overs uh there's not uh any any kind of blending going on or anything we're just keeping it uh bare bones delicious uh you know uh alcohol trying to keep in everything in our place is you know six bucks uh during happy hour and a happy hour goes till 10 o'clock so uh, our pour overs and such are uh you know we're trying to do a nice uh 
a quality alcohol, but yet keep it within that $6 range, just like the beers. So you're not really going down that craft cocktail route with all the shaking, stirring, measuring, and whatnot, but uh, really just keeping the focus on the beers. I do see a lot of yummy whiskeys up in the back bar. I know that your fearless leader, Mr. Huffman, is a big whiskey guy. Was there uh, anything, was there any specific thought that went into the curation of your whiskeys here? Uh, Whatever Kurt wanted. Whatever whiskey he likes. So lots of lowland scotches <laughs> and lots of IPAs, which I'm sure you will find here in Mass. So I got to tell you, the uh, the other night when I was here, I got a firsthand look. I got I got a nice uh, walk through the belly of the beast, so to speak, and uh, we went into the tap, uh, the walk-in, and I took some pictures. That is a behemoth, man, and I haven't used that word in years, but this is a good time to pull it out and uh i tell you what uh i just thinking about managing the freshness and quality of 99 beers and i tell you you know i've done some reading and some research and and you know i think some people out there there is a little bit of kind of controversy concern about how one is able to keep all these beers in rotation and fresh so i'm sure you've got some thoughts you can share with us about that yeah, sure. I mean, that's the first thing that uh, Kurt was really worried about. I mean, he's really doing this for his love of beer and his love of Oregon beer. So uh, a lot of thought went into it. I mean, our bar, if you look over there, is basically situated directly over the large cooler, which is almost the size of the bar. So our lines are short, and they're done that. we've done that on purpose uh, to make sure that, the, you know, we don't have a bunch of beer sitting in the lines. Uh, every day we, we pull the beer through that's been sitting in the line, and we use it for our cooking, which is great. I tell you what, I got a t-shirt idea for you guys. Short lines, yummy beer. Easy. Back to you. We might have to use that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, everything he has done, uh, Kurt has thought it through. And, like, you know, really our first blowback uh, when this came out was just people talking about uh, beer going bad. But, you know, we have uh, partnered up with Olympic Provisions. We're cooking sausages here, and the best way to cook a sausage is in beer. So none of this beer is going to, you know, be sitting around. Uh, it'll get used. Oh, that's really cool. I mean, right there, I think you just kind of – nail it put the put the hammer on the top of the nail with regards to how you're going to move through all this product and you know i i know you're super dedicated to this to this fresh beer idea and you know it didn't even occur to me is there any bottles or cans up in this joint uh, at this point, no, and like we're not we're not against it at all. Uh, just with the '96, and obviously trying to move some of the beers, and there's going to be beer that doesn't move as fast as uh, you know the other ones, just for its style. So uh, we're really uh, focusing on the draft right now. But in the future, you know, who knows? Uh, we're we're definitely open to it, as long as it's Oregon. As long as it's Oregon, I, and I did read that uh, this is the largest selection in the world of Oregon beers. Is that true? Uh, far as I know, yes. I haven't seen anything like it before, you know. Yeah, that's pretty berserk, man. So uh, uh, talk a little bit. Well, I'm just going to kind of tell you what I'm seeing. If you haven't been in here, they got this. The, the taps are all just lined up gorgeously right in the center. It's a, a long uh, rectangular bar, uh, cozy kind of clubby booths, uh, vinyl blue. Um, you know, the I know that the story... Uh, of the name. Actually, why don't you tell them the story of the name? Uh, so the Loyal Legion is based off, there was a sign that uh, Kurt found in one of his other venues, uh, the old Hung Far Loan building, which I love. Uh, and there was an old banged up sign that was uh, b- basically in storage there. And it was the Loyal Legion of Loggers and Lumbermen, as I look right at it. And it, it is this kind of midnight blue, we call it Oregon blue here. And, and Kurt really used that sign to basically 
uh, design the whole place. I mean, my tiles behind my taps are, are the Oregon blue, my booths are the Oregon blue, um, and uh, it's really from there we just use it to, to carry it through the whole place. This place is really kind of a love letter to the state of Oregon, huh? It really is. I mean, uh, again, I, I can't say enough uh, that how much Kurt really, you know, he loves Oregon. He could have done anything he wanted to. You know, he's got a he's a very busy man and uh, he chose to do this. And uh, it was because of his love for Oregon and his love of Oregon beer. Awesome, man. And I always talk about the importance of ESP, having a nice balance of environment service in product and doing them all in perfect alignment to the demographic that you're trying to reach, which I think you're doing really well here. Speaking of environment, moving deeper into that, I came in uh, on Saturday night and uh, dude, Eric Bowler from Tube, formerly known as DJ Evil One, was rocking the uh, was rocking the system, man. Tell us about uh, the, the DJ situation here. I have never seen a beer bar with the DJ. Well, you know, we're uh, we're trying to experiment. You know, a lot, a lot of things here, are, there's uh, there's fancy stuff, and then there's kind of bare bones, and uh, Kurt's open like he wants to see what happens. And the DJ, uh, at first, was just kind of a thought that maybe we'd do it only for events, but, uh, you know, what we're doing is we're having it on the weekends, and... Uh, so far, so good. I mean, it's it's phenomenal to have that, and the music so far has been great, and people are digging it. Yeah, that's great, man. I'm just wondering where people are going to boogie. Are they going to be standing up in the booths, like, you know, getting their boogie on with seeing some high heels up on the booths, or uh, is there any kind of an area where people can get it on, or it's just like, not get it on, but, you know dance a little bit uh is there th- it looks like you probably just dance anywhere if you felt like it yeah there was some dancing in the booths for sure on friday and uh up front uh, in that common space we have a large table and we'll see if that works out if that doesn't and people want to get down uh, we'll move that table out of there yeah you always want to stay on the revenue development program not the revenue prevention program so we're moving toward the end of this segment i gotta ask you man uh you guys have gone cash only and, and you do see this in a few places a lot of people don't realize when they use credit cards that there's a fee going back to the restaurant and it can make it even more challenging with the small margins in this industry. Uh, how is the cash only thing working out uh, in the first week? I really think as the word gets out, you know, it's t- it took a few people by surprise and that definitely, uh, you know, uh, was was a problem for the beginning but like uh, as they know and as the word gets out there it's not a problem at all and and people are actually enjoying having it just be a quick transaction yeah i bet it's great for the tenders too so once again we're at loyal legion we've got to jump out in our third segment we're going to do a little beer tutorial with our man herb upon Welcome back to the Liquid Lifestyle here on the Radio Northwest Network where me, Ryan McGarrian, your on-air bartender, is sitting here at the Loyal Legion, Portland's most exciting new beverage concept. It's Beer Nirvana here. Once again, we are talking to Herb Apon, and he is their beer czar. And, you know, we're just going to take a segment to reset everybody on, on, just the, on just beer itself. I think sometimes, you know, we just drink things, uh, but we may actually not know exactly what's going into our pie holes. So, uh, Herb, uh, I'd love to just give, our guess, uh, give, uh, give my listener that tutorial that they've always dreamed of. And, you know, let's just start. What the heck is beer? Uh, beer is a fermented uh, product. It's base, the base bare bones of it is really that you take a malt and once you have add yeast to it, um, you know uh, yeast is going to eat the sugars. And what is the byproduct? The byproduct is alcohol. So those two working together. Uh, without those, we wouldn't 
wouldn't have beer, but uh, you know, obviously hops are added. Uh, the hops started as a preservative uh, and then uh, basically became a flavor profile that we love. And without water, which is 90% of beer roughly, uh, there wouldn't be beer. So just like that old commercial, was it Rainier or better known as Ranier? They always says it's the water. Oh, wait, is that Olympia or Hams or is it Rainier? Which would you remember that commercial? Uh, it's the water. I think it was Ole. Uh, and it's it's so true because like uh, you look at like Bend and you see all these great beers that have come out of Bend. And, and why is that? It's, you know, the it's you've got a lot of lava rock. You've got a lot of minerals like uh, the water will make or break a beer. And don't ever underestimate the water. The water is powerful, folks. So moving through the beer tutorial, you know, a lot of people don't know the difference between ales and lagers. And and correct me if I'm wrong, do all beers fall into one of those two categories? Absolutely. There's only two categories. And basically an ale is uh, the, the one that is top fermenting yeast and is kept warmer. It's a quicker turnaround. Uh, a lager is a bottom fermenting yeast and that one is kept colder so it takes a lot longer. So the all the lagers that we think of as like easy or like we discard them as, you know, uh, like not as important like they're actually harder ones to do they take a little bit longer you got to baby them you got to watch your temperature um so uh those two are every beer is definitely either a lager or an ale yeah and uh you know here so interestingly enough uh the craft beer movement in portland has been completely and utterly constructed on a foundation of ales and not longers and only recently have we started to see the growth of the lager category? Can you can you give me an opinion on why that is? It's so funny because uh, you know I hate to say it, I think it's it's Paps, man. This town loves Paps, and uh, you know uh, a lot of the the craft brewers uh, and Paps and and beers like Paps, but. Uh, the craft brewers, uh, you know, see uh, all these people like uh, you'll you'll bump into to beer guys, and when they're off the clock, they're drinking like an easy drinking lager. Uh, um, so they've been trying to actually come up with them uh, more and more, but they're hard. They're not easy to do a lager, even though you know you think of Corona, you think of uh, any of these easy drinking beers, you know, lawnmower beers, uh, and they're mass produced, but um, they're not easy and uh, they take time. And when you are a small starting brewery. And you only have so many tanks uh, to, to make your beer. Uh, having something sit there twice as long just doesn't work out. Yeah, yeah no, I can understand that. So, you know, it, it, it's it's much more revenue positive, we'll say, to get the ales out quickly. Um, now, I've always felt like I feel different. So if I crush like three IPAs versus three Bitburger Pilsners, I feel different. Uh, what are some things that might lead to that different feeling and basically what i mean is i just feel heavy i feel a little bit like uh, i need a nap and then i get up from that nap and i don't feel so hot sometimes but when i you know but with the pilsners i feel great well first of all alcohol content is a huge one of course but uh really you're talking about like a more complex uh beer you know you're actually having more ingredients in there uh like a, a just a more complex profile is gonna is gonna add things to you you know when you're dealing with uh, a simple pilsner which is like one hop and and one malt or two malts uh you know it's the closest to water it's delicious but uh you know you start throwing in six different hop profiles and and four different or five different malts um you know that that's all gonna add up 
Man, there's so much talk of hop profiles now. I mean, you know, hops have always been an indigenous uh, product here in here in Oregon. We make some of the most unique and exciting variations. I know that the uh, that Oregon State University has had a huge hand in that development. Some of the delicious hop profiles we enjoy today come from a lot of their research. But uh, can you walk us through some of the more relevant um, hop strains that you that that people are using? I know I hear the word Simcoe, Mosaic, Citra, Bravo, all this crazy stuff. It's like a language unto itself. Can you walk us through some of what you think again are some of the most exciting and relevant? hot profiles well i'll tell you the back i'll tell you what is the backbone of the industry and it's cascade it's been around forever and like you're gonna i mean anytime you look up a hot profile what are you gonna what are you gonna hear or what are you gonna see you're gonna see citrusy and fruity and piney uh not always all together but like uh cascade is got to be 50 percent of the of the the hops that are basically the backbone of every single beer you love um and so don't ever underestimate the cascade hop the Cascade Hop. I know that uh, that is the definitive hop of one of the beers that really lit up the craft beer movement, uh, which is Mirror Pond. And I would tell you that Deschutes seems to lean quite heavily on that particular uh, hop. But uh, I know I'm a big, big Barley Browns guy. Barley Browns is a uh, brewery out of Baker City. Uh, I think I've never met this guy. I think his name's Tyler Brown. But this guy has a palate like no other. He, he gets the beers to balance, but he gets these bombastic these bombastic uh, aroma and uh, top notes on his uh, on his beers like I've never seen before and they they you know they really come across a lot of them like marijuana and grapefruit kind of squeezed together uh, is there a hot profile that kind of elicits that uh, you know there's a lot and god you know barley browns is crazy uh, you know every time I turn around there's another IPA coming out of there and they're all different and delicious which is hard to do like you can kind of get uh, you know something successful you just kind of keep doing it and tweaking it but like you're right uh, Tyler there has done a crazy job of really doing different profiles and I mean right now I think I've got four of his IPAs on uh, and uh, I'm proud to have them but uh, really uh, I'm trying to think of the one one of the brews that's uh, been more popular and like i mean it basically is pallet jack man this pallet jack like rocked the world uh when it came out uh you know it's a gabf winner and uh it's uh it continues to be one of our best sellers one of the things that i respect about what they're doing is like you know i had the pallet jack about a year and a half ago and it was just a just a tinge resiny from my palate and I tell you what, in the last six months, it was only just, to me, maybe 5% kind of off what I would be hoping for, for perfect harmony. And it just and, it, and, it's, and it's evolved into what I think is per- perfect harmony. And I love people that fight even for that last 5%, whether it's getting, you know, balancing a new cocktail, making wine. I just love that. I think they do that at Breakside uh, as well. And, um, you know, I just want to, as we're wrapping up this segment, you know, just a quick tutorial on a few different popular beers. So what's, what's a pale ale? Uh, the pale is, uh, you know, an IPA is actually a pale, so Indian pale ale. Uh, but uh, the pale is, uh, if you are getting burned out by your IPAs, because uh, they send, especially in the Northwest, t- tend to be so hoppy, pale is a great alternative, like the hand uh, hand truck from uh, Barley Browns. I mean, that's my go-to, because I'm with you on that on the pallet jack. Let's say uh, it's just almost too big for me. Uh, I hate to say it, I'm a little bit of a wimp when it comes to the really big IPAs. But uh, that pallet jack, uh, smooth easy drinking a little bit not as complex uh you know it's uh, it started out as almost like a like in, if you can't do lagers you do a pale uh you know a simpler easier beer but it's it's really evolved into like the backbone of the of the industry 
And just for our listeners, just to kind of tighten things up, so you got your pale, and then you move into the IPA again, or India Pale Ale. Uh, what do you do to make that jump as a brewer? Uh, man, it's more complex. It's more expensive. I mean, hops are, uh, you know, uh, hard to come by. And, uh, you know, God bless the fact that it's, uh, there's more and more experimental hops out there, and that's helping out. But uh, you, you're talking from going from one or two hops in a pail uh, to uh, most some of these IPAs now have eight hops in them. So, I mean, and them being expensive, uh, you, you really jump in price. And with an India, just correct me if I'm wrong, you're basically just nearly doubling the hops. Uh, and it was created, I think it's called an India Pale Ale, because they were using, like you said, the hops as a preservative to ship beer from, the, uh, from Britain or England uh, around Cape Horn to India for the, uh, for the people out there. Is that truth or is that uh, falsehood? No, that's absolutely the truth. Uh, basically, they're making sure that uh, the beer was going and they weren't hopping it enough and uh, they used it as a preservative and when it got there earlier, they'd open it and the hop would still be in there and they were like, oh, wait a minute, it's delicious. So. Dude, we're here with Herb Apon at Loyal Legion. We're going to jump out. We'll be back for one last segment. Welcome back to the Liquid Lifestyle, where once again we are chilling at the, and I do mean chilling, at the Loyal Legion, Portland's newest mega beer bar here east of the Willamette Ocean in southeast Portland on 6th Street. And Herb, uh, again, we're talking with Herb Apon, the beer czar uh, here at Loyal Legion. Uh, What's the cross street here again? Oh, we're on Alder and 6th. Alder and Six. So, uh, you know, one of the coolest things that's happening with regards to restaurants uh, and bars in Portland is this little district here in southeast uh you know it's incredible you've got obviously you got the loyal legion here you've got uh, trifecta tavern from ken forkish directly next door uh dig a pony which is kind of this nightclub slash uh just dope bar rustic bar hangout just like a block and a half away i mean you guys are just you know this is just going to be awesome synergy this is the kind of area that if you're you know if you're in your 20s 30s 40s and you just still like to get out and tear it up a little bit this is this is where you want to be so here in our last segment uh, I'd love to just kind of get your opinion on what the trends in the industry, at least around Portland, are. You know, we, I think here we are a town built on flavortainment more than anything else, and we are always seeking the next best thing. You see it, you see it in cocktails, you see it in wine. You're seeing kind of an ever kind of movement towards things that are unique and sometimes even challenging. So, uh, what specific things are you seeing with regards to production of beer here in Oregon? Uh, there's a couple of fun things. I mean, you're definitely, you know, IPAs are always going to be big no matter what. Uh, but, you know, there's only so many IPAs you can make. So there's been this huge push towards sessionable IPAs, which is, uh, you know, it's huge. It's basically just going back down. Our beers got so big, our IPAs got so big, you know, where they were like at 8%, 9%. And they were calling it a single IPA there for a bit. And, like, uh, you see almost every single brewery doing a sessionable, and they're dropping them down to, to 5.5 to 5, which is where the IPAs started, funny enough. I mean, Bridgeport IPA still delicious IPA 5.5% and that's considered sessionable in this town 
mercifully, man, because ah, I have. I've been enjoying finding some of these sessional IPAs. I remember I did. I had an ice I essay Imperial Session Ale from Oscar Blues recently, and I just I was so excited to get again those kind of bombastic kind of grapefruit cannabis top notes that I get from like again like a Breakside or Barley Browns. But man, that that thing was like five percent. So I mean, I was just oh, I was so overjoyed. Uh, you seeing a lot of people gravitating towards that? I am, you know, and it's hilarious because it's almost a joke in the business. But you just said, uh, you know, Imperial uh, Sessionable, you know, which is and and lunch uh, or uh, Breakside just came out with uh, a double sessionable so it popped it up to like six or seven percent which makes it a normal ipa but it's it's fun you know the business is great and people are having fun with it and you know it, it's working there's people are drinking beer dude it's like they're it's like everybody's having this competition to like create the coolest new beer style name and one of them i've seen that actually i'd love a little context on is the cda or cascadian dark ale what what the heck is that well that's uh you know again we were coming out with we were calling black ipas uh you know basically a a dark malt malt profile uh were being used and then over hopping it and then when you call it a black ipa it's kind of an oxymoron because it's a black uh indian pale ale so uh we basically the industry i don't know who did it or how it came about it's just one of those things but uh it's been classified as cascadian dark ale which makes more sense than a black pale ale is there a cascadian dark ale that we should not miss right now armored fist Armored Fist, and you know with a name like that, that's got to be coming from the boys at Boneyard, right? Yeah, you're right. Uh, it's great. And, uh, you know, they. Uh, it's been out for a while. It's a little bit rare. I got it on tap right now. Lucky to have it, uh, but it's delicious. Dude, Armored Fist, come down to the Loyal Legion. Uh, check out what they're doing here. Have a little Armored Fist. Put your arm around your date and just sit back and enjoy the, the good vibes here. So another thing we're seeing quite a bit of is just this, this fetishization of... Elgin beers. They're everywhere. Uh, I'll be perfectly honest. It's never been my favorite category. I get it. I think it's it's super, They as a, as a general rule, they're super complex and interesting. But that there's this banana clove note that just seems to be kind of uh, one-dimensional across the entire category. What, what is it about Belgian beers and people right now? I think it's fun and it's different. And uh, like you said, it is a little bit more complex and it's kind of an acquired taste. Uh, to be honest, when I first started really getting serious in this business, I was with you. Uh, like uh, the basically the clove and the coleander threw me off a little bit. It was always a little bit too prominent. Uh, but like I, I have definitely uh, acquired a taste for it. I think it's delicious and you're going to see it more and more for sure. Man, Herb, it's been super cool hanging out with you today. It's been fun to just kind of take a step uh, back and learn just kind of reset on beer in general and then obviously hear about what you guys are doing here uh, I encourage you uh, I don't know what you're doing this afternoon or this evening but if you are in and around P-Town and you just need a frosty beer and a great vibe I really hope you take the time to come down here and once again there's just so many things right around us that you can uh, make a whole night of so we are at the end of our show and uh, once again thanks for being here Herb I really appreciate it, man. You take care. Thanks, man. And uh, as with all our shows, we're going to end just uh, reminding you to always drink your best.